So here's the quote. Everybody ready for the quote? Fire, eh? Females again, spontaneous combustion of lust. <laughs> Suspected as much. Rub-a-dub-dubbing. Incessant incontinent keening for wine. Damnable funeral. Foof. Foofara. Foofara. <laughs> Rub-a-dub-dubbing. Foofara. <laughs> Heard it all before. <laughs> what on earth does this mean? Foo-for-rah. You're here <laughs> listening to the Fire the Cannon podcast. I'm the producer. I shouldn't really be introducing this. Normally the hosts do it. Come on, um, believe in yourself. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm the producer. <laughs> I'm Theo. Now I'm going to introduce to you two ladies. Who? Who are they? You've been talking to some other ladies? You got other female friends? Oh, <laughs> shit. I knew this was off the second you came in here. With your shirt yeah. on. With your shirt on. I've been taking my shirt off for other people, so I don't want to do it for you two anymore. <laughs> He's got to make money somehow. <laughs> Here's your two lady hosts, Rachel and Jackie. Woo-hoo. Speak up when you want to be introduced. Oh, my gosh. That one's Jackie. This one's Rachel. Nice to meet you all. We're the two lady hosts, but we don't have any other kind of hosts, so sorry. All you get is yeah. us, ladies. Yeah. Ugh. Love it. We begged Theo to be a host, but he refuses. I do. We begged him to be a lady, and he said, okay, but I will not be a host. (laughs) In this book, the women manipulate men by withholding sex from them. That wouldn't work in this situation. (laughs) No, it wouldn't work. Also, what Theo said was funny when um, he thought it was about the women withholding sex so a war doesn't start, (laughs) which implies that they can never have sex again. Lest a war break out because it's too good or too bad. We just have to let humanity die just the Greeks. That'd be okay. And we should mention that this is a special holiday episode. Oh, shoot. You're right. You're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a seasonal episode that we've recorded in honor of. Drum roll, please. Great. Now I have to add in a drum roll. No, not November. No, not November. To all who celebrate this wondrous holiday of No, Not November, we have chosen to commemorate it by reading that wonderful No, Not classic the Lysistrata by Aristophanes. Should we explain what this, what No Nut November is? Because it does strike me that several people's parents might not understand. First of all, let me just say what we're about to read is a very old sex comedy. Very old. It's very sexual, very... Comedic. It's got a lot of sex in it. (laughs) No, it's actually got no sex in it, but it's very sexual. (laughs) On average, there's probably more than one dick joke per page in this play. Ew. Yeah. When I was reading it, I truly thought this was a joke. Like I thought there's no way this is the, like a faithful representation or a faithful reproduction of the play, but it is like, that's just how it is. Honestly, they may have left out some innuendo in your interpretation that you read. I highly doubt it. I highly <laughs> doubt it. Now, like, and I've read Shakespeare and like, there's Every once in a while, a dick joke. This is the most phallic. No, this is the bodiest thing I've ever read in my life. The manuscript itself is almost, they should have just printed it on a dildo and just sent it out. And there are a lot of dildo jokes as well. (laughs) Speaking of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So listen, if you're not into that kind of thing, if you don't like this kind of humor, blame one of the most famous ancient Greek playwrights, not us. Maybe skip this episode. If you don't like dick jokes, blame the father of comedy. Yeah. (laughs) How do you think he fathered it? Come on. Don't be naive. Yeah. With his brain dick. 
Okay, so... (laughs) Yeah. That's so much better than dick brain. Hashtag no nut November. That's just a thing where some weird guys think that you can basically gain mental superpowers by retaining your semen. So they encourage men to keep it all in for a month, at least. And that's my thoughts on that. So moving on. (laughs) It's very funny. It's basically a whole joke on the internet now, so... Wait, is it truly superpowers or just sort of like... Okay, Theo does not participate in No Nut November. Wait, what are we talking here? (laughs) Because I'm getting dumber by the moment. Look, have you seen the episode of Seinfeld where they all make a pact not to masturbate and the men all become super intelligent and blah, blah, blah? That's basically what these weird internet guys think will happen. Mm. They think it contains your vital essence or something. I I don't know what their deal is. I think they also just think, like, if I put my mental energies towards something else, like— Eventually, as the month goes, it'll, like, ramp up and I'll just, like, have so much, like, energy to put somewhere else. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, I don't want to know very much about their motivations because there's no reason for them to think this. (laughs) So I don't really care what they think it does since it doesn't. First of all, I'd like to say it feels good to be back. How about you guys? Feels good. Ooh. What do you mean? Well, this is where we began with an ancient Greek play. We're back amongst our friends, the ancient Greeks. Nice. Where we're at our most comfortable, I hope. (laughs) It feels nice and cozy. Oh, but we've returned and there are 50 suitors suiting our podcast. (laughs) Suiting our podcast. Well, that's no problem. We'll just kill them all. (laughs) Oh, right, right. Is that what you called the man who helped you get fitted for your your suitor? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I finally have a suitor. Uh, So I thought we would talk about how we're reading another translated work, and Jackie and I read two different translations. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Want to talk about yours real quick? Do a little shout out to your dude? Yeah, so Rachel did have an idea of what we should be, like what version we should be reading, and I missed the memo and uh, read the wrong thing. Pshaw, it doesn't matter. Foo-for-raw. Rub-a-dub-dub. <laughs> um, so I read the translation that is the Signet Classics version uh, translated by Douglas Parker. It's a modern translation, and so kind of similar to some of the Beowulf that we talked about, like, wow, almost a year ago. Um, he does try to put in these little modern local flavors. So, for example, the Athenians speak in a kind of just normal like English dialect, American English dialect. But the Spartans come in and they are always talking in this weird kind of like mountain country bumpkin kind of dialect. And it's very jarring. That's pretty normal, actually, for most of the translations. I didn't know. And I found it very jarring. And it also made me feel like Douglas Parker... The poetry he did was actually pretty good because this is not a poem, it's a play, but it was like kind of poetic how he managed to like do a lot of these internal rhymes and everything. It did make me kind of feel like he had never met a person from Appalachia. Well, they're Spartans. Yeah, they're they're Spartans, but they're also clearly supposed to be from like the West Virginia mountains. Oh, really? I'll give you some funny examples. Yeah, yeah. I said to Rachel, what version did you want me to read? Because I'm reading this one and I just feel like this cannot be correct. And what I was reading was a line from the character Lamp- Lampito. Am I saying that right? I was picturing you're like reading the back of the Lucky Charms box. This can't <laughs> be right. Are you sure? Magically delicious. What does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I guess it is Lampito. This is a line from the character Lampito, who is a Spartan woman. And she says, Menelaus, he tuck one squint at Helen's bubbies all naked and plumb throat up. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? <laughs> Maybe they used to talk like that, Appalachian folk. Well, that's how they used to talk in the times of Sparta. No, so the reason that it's translated like that 
and in most other books is because Aristophanes was not Spartan. And so to kind of, he basically did like a comedic interpretation of their accent. And the Spartans were seen as like, like bumpkins, kind of uneducated hicks. Yeah. Yeah. So he wouldn't have done a good job with their accent either. So if your guy, you think he didn't do a great job with like a hick (laughs) accent, then that's probably, he did a good job translating. (laughs) Yeah. And whilst I learned, because I didn't know any of this beforehand, but um, so, you know, the Peloponnesian War was Athens versus Sparta and some of the, like, surrounding areas. So they were, for a long time, enemies. Mm -hmm. He wrote several plays that were focused around, like, wars between them and some, like, mostly comedies. He had two main jokes about the Spartans in this play, which is that they were hicks and that they love anal sex. Those are the things that he just (laughs) rags on the Spartans for throughout the entire play. Yep, there's a lot of butt jokes. They don't do anal sex in Athens? They don't. They're not obsessed with it the way the Spartans apparently were. <laughs> I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we'll get to it. So there's a line where there's this naked woman and there's a Spartan and an Athenian who are admiring her. And the Spartan line in my version is translated as like, what a gorgeous ass. But the translation note says like, in the original Greek, he actually says, what a gorgeous rectum. <laughs> because of the, the stereotype about the Spartans. <laughs> So my translation is by Sarah Rudin, and it came out in, I think, about 2003. She also did a pretty modern take on the play, and I have read some articles about her translation that said that hers is one of the most profane of all of them, and she has said, I'm not any more profane than Aristophanes was, and in fact, I'm probably less profane in a lot of cases. I really liked her translation. I thought it was funny. But the guy was nasty. The nasty man. What I want to know is, what is he talking about? What a gorgeous rectum. He can't see that. I mean. She's just standing there. She had clothes on? No, she was naked. But like, what about her butt cheeks? Don't have them. She didn't have any butt cheeks. Well, she doesn't have butt cheeks. And that's kind of weird. But the rectum is great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's called reconciliation in my Oh, she's called peace in mine. Um, Mine just says, hits wrong, I reckon. But that's the partiest behind. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So Aristophanes had the character say, what a gorgeous rectum. And your translator had him say, that's the prettiest behind. Prettiest. (laughs) 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 The good thing is, like, not that much happens in the play, so we can really go on as many tangents as we want. (laughs) Talk about rectums as long as we want to. Okay. Rachel, you just go ahead, and then I have have highlighted things that I wanted to talk about, so I'll kind of just jump in with those and or go off on tangents. Didn't you want to talk about Aristophanes a little bit? We can talk about him a little bit. Um, I don't I don't know like a ton or anything. We'll talk about him more later when we cover some other stuff about him, maybe. He was born in around like 446 BC. And like Rachel said, he um, was mainly a comic playwright. He did write tragedies as well. Apparently, the difference between tragedy and comedy is not just that like one's sad and one's funny, but comedy usually referred to um, like current events that were happening at the time when he wrote them. But so he did, he wrote this play during a time of war between Athens and Sparta. And he was very well known for his like biting political commentary. Like he was extremely 
vicious about like people who were alive and in power and present like right there in the city at the time. So like they would all go to these performances. And often watching the play. And they would be sitting in the front row (laughs) at the plays where they were being made fun of. So he, he wrote a play that was, I think, The Babylonians. And he was condemned for that by the like local guy in in charge at the time condemned like legally or the guy just said that was a bad thing to do like like a bad thing to do and i think also he had some type of um he had some type of consequence that it wasn't condemned like a house like no one can visit him anymore or and he wasn't condemned to death no he wasn't condemned to death two years later he finally like he struck back and like wrote an even more vicious comedy just making fun of this guy so he really didn't ever back down and they said it was because of like this was an after effect of how it was like just pure democracy in Greece at that time so they could just say whatever they wanted and I was like hmm, okay that's fine he did this a lot and his uh plays were very well regarded and I think uh about 11 of the 40 plays that he wrote now survive so we have a good chunk of them and this is one of them I should say that historically um everybody in this play would have been played by a man so the women as well Mm-hmm. The other thing is that ancient Greek plays, they were divided up in old comedy, middle comedy, and new comedy. And his are the only surviving old comedies. So everything that people know about this, you know, era of play plays, playwriting, we all get it from him. There are like some maybe some little snippets of other things, but the only entire surviving ones are all from Aristophanes. And then, like I said, in the in the staging of this play originally, it would have everybody would have been played by men, and then the men playing men would have also had these like huge phalluses that were just part of their costumes. So just picture that, mm. I guess. Mm. So they're naked in the play, or do they just have a little strap on? No, they just have like these huge things. They're like hiding under their cloaks. It's supposed to. Towards the end of the play, every man has an erection. It's like on every page. It's... <laughs> oh. We're going to talk more about and they it. Talk about it constantly. Yeah. yeah. Why don't we dig in? I think we will. <laughs> so the main character of this play is Lysistrata or Lysistrata. And her name literally means dissolver of armies. Which is a little bit of foreshadowing, don't you think? Oh, before we start, can I tell you an ancient Greek joke to set the mood? Let's hear it. Okay, go ahead. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Euripides. Euripides who? Euripides pants, I break of your face. Oh, <laughs> okay. Is that an ancient Greek joke? Yeah. It's more like an Italian-American <laughs> joke. So I think of that joke every time I see the the name Euripides because it was in an NPR joke book that I had as a kid. NPR joke book? What kind of kid were you? <laughs> Listen, things were different at the time. My dad donated to NPR, and as a thank you, they sent us a, a book of all of the jokes from NPR. And so I feel like that's almost every joke I know is like something that came from Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> okay. I was wondering what show you were talking about, like all the jokes from This NPR. American Life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was yeah. just called the NPR. It wasn't just Prairie Home Companion, but it was like any program in which they told jokes, I guess they would just be printed there. Like knock-knock jokes? <laughs> <laughs> they're just like going through the transcripts of each show and they're like, surely there's something funny in here. <laughs> I don't know. I've never put any thought into like how they compiled this, but that was a huge piece of my childhood that I just kind of assume everybody had. That's why Jackie just <laughs> always makes references to Lake Wobegon. Yeah, I'm always talking about Lake Wobegon. Most of the NPR jokes are humorous asides, not like punchline setup. 
kind of thing. I have no idea where a lot of them came from. Maybe they just compiled them from somewhere else, but hmm. there were a lot of knock-knock jokes, a lot of political jokes, a lot of jokes I didn't get at the time that now I do get. Oh, okay. Nice. Like, there was a terrible Monica Lewinsky joke that I was just like, adults are stupid. This isn't funny at all. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. Do you think it's funny now? It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I think it's funny. It's kind of predictable. All right. Whatever. So Lysistrata has called all the women in Greece, I guess, together for a meeting. And so far, only her friend Kalanike has shown up, which Kalanike means beautiful victory. And she complains a lot about women. <laughs> She's like, uh, women, they just never show up when you want them to. They'd rather be having sex than meeting with me early in the morning. <laughs> Well, give them a minute. Like, how did you even get the word out to all of these people? Not important. <laughs> Never discussed. <laughs> They're literally at war with each other's nations. And she's like, oh, yeah, I told him to come by. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not coming fast enough. And she's just like, I don't get it. The girls from this neighborhood, we really need them. Like, where are they? But she says basically, so she opens the play by being like, she says, if I had invited them to hoot and prance at Bacchic Rites or some sleazy shrine, I would have had to crawl through tambourines to get here. What does that mean? So I guess she's like, look, if I invited them to some wild party, every woman would have been here by now. But if we're trying to stop a war, they can't be bothered. It sounds like millennials. Yeah, always late. I guess mm -hmm. around year zero or whatever. <laughs> this was actually hundreds of years before zero. So close. Creeping up on late. it. They didn't know when zero was. Okay, wait. Here's a joke. Here's an example of their, you know, sexual innuendo. So Kalanike's like, why did you call us here? What is it? Is it big? And Lysistrata says, of Ooh. course. And Kalanike says, and hard? And Lysistrata says, count on it. Hard. And then her friend says, then how could they not have come? What does she think Lysistrata is going to do? Just Look, like, it's a penis. Like peg them all, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> There's also, so the girls start showing up and then her and her friends start like inspecting them all and like making weird like sexual comments about their appearances and like, oh yeah, this is a good one to have because look at her. She's pretty. Like squishing their boobs and everything. Checking out butts. Oh my gosh. Complimenting one of them's pubic grooming. <laughs> yeah, I was like, was that a thing in ancient Greece? For some people, they would shape it, trim it down. I guess it was. One funny thing is that because of the war, there's an embargo on certain things. And one of the the women, Kalanike, is like, eh, it's okay if the like Boeotians are wiped out by the war, except for these gorgeous eels. So apparently there were these like delicious eels <laughs> that one country used to export <laughs> because other women bring up later in the play like, oh, I miss those eels so much. And I was like, is this an innuendo of some yeah. kind? But no, the notes are like, no, it's just that they there were these delicious eels it's that used to eel. import. It sounds like native advertising. Yeah. <laughs> it's an eel importer paid for this. A little bit subliminal. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it does. It gets to the point where you don't know what anybody is saying and you're just kind of assuming that it's going to be dirty and I feel like that's kind of one of the funny things about this play is that if you're reading it it makes you feel like you're the freak because I'm like ooh those eels have got to be something oh do you think that was intentional I don't know the other thing is like some of their innuendo, we don't have that. <laughs> I don't know. It's just confusing. There's one line where in the translation it says like, I'm sure they got up on those mounts of theirs at break of day. And they're talking about the women like coming down like the mountains or whatever, like riding over. 
And it's like, oh yeah, this is a, this is innuendo for a sexual position with the woman on top. And it literally was straddled the yachts or mounted astride horses. <laughs> and I'm just like, if I said, saw a line that was like, oh, I'm sure those women straddled the yachts a few hours ago. They'll be here. I'd say like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do kind of have to change them. Oh, I found the part. So again, from the people from Boyosha. So so the girl's name is is Menia, and they're like inspecting her and they're like, ah, her verdant meadows, her fruited plain, her sunken garden where no grass grows, a cultivated country. (laughs) What are they looking at? Again, with cultivated country. That's also a pun. (laughs) But like, again, with the with the rectum thing like what is this are they not wearing clothes they're just like showing up and like what are you guys doing i don't know how they saw everything so strange i thought theo would love this while the women are are straggling up there is one woman named marini who's like young and very beautiful but when they show up kalanike says yuck what a smell where are they from and lysistrana says the puke bush swamp my version says the outskirts (laughs) (laughs) that's a little different the thing is puke bush swamp is an actual translation that's the name of my home excuse me that is so rude puke bush swamp north carolina (laughs) it's not funny to be from puke bush swamp okay i'm tired of people acting like it's funny normal town it says that the place they're from was called anagyrus which is a swampy place filled that it just there's a lot of a very stinky bush that grows there and anagyrus is the name of this stinky bush so i guess that's why if i ever become rich and have an estate that's what i'm gonna call it puke bush swamp manor puke bush swamp estates here he is the proprietor of puke bush swamp manor If you marry him, all of this could be yours. The lady of puke bush swamp. The lady of puke bush swamp. <laughs> well, I feel like it's better that it's it's called puke bush because it's a bush that smells bad. I thought it was like this is just the bush that everybody pukes on, <laughs> and they named their whole country after him. Yeah, we've got one law here, and it's if the if you have to puke, you do it on that bush. <laughs> Don't sully our other bushes. This is that's the puke bush. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. The women just keep showing up and they keep admiring each other. A Spartan woman who's like stronger shows up and everyone admires her physical fitness because apparently the Athenian women were like the upper class ones were were essentially kept in their house all day long, whereas Spartan women would exercise in public. That's lumpy toe. That's the Spartan woman. Yeah, so I'm assuming that probably the casting would reflect her more muscular physique. And her wonderful rectum. Well, it's not her rectum that you need to worry about. (laughs) There is one you need to worry about, but it's coming there. So all of the names are pretty interesting. So lumpy toe means like shining or light. And mirini means bearded clam (laughs) the young woman who shows up that's like a pubic hair thing i mean for us it would be i don't know if it would be for the greeks man and other people's names mean things like shining victory or whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) well she is actually the most like seductive one in the play so she's kind of the one who like she's younger she has a husband and they kind of use her and her husband to illustrate this concept they all have husbands yeah but he's the one who gets to show up in the play and then they have like this these scenes together it's pretty good here's something so funny when they're talking about lampito and admiring her they say how i admire your gleaming gorgeousness your radiant skin your body sleek and plump i bet that you could choke a bull and she says i could 
I'm in such shape, I kick my own sweet ass. She kicks her own sweet ass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, it, there's apparently, there was a Spartan dance that involved jumping and slapping one's own, own souls against the buttocks. That's it. <laughs> I'm in such shape, I kick my own sweet ass. There's no joke that needs to be made about that. That's perfect on its own. That's the line I was hoping Theo could read <laughs> to start the episode. <laughs> What is yours translated to, Jackie? Uh, let's see. It is. So do other people get their asses kicked by other people? Yeah, but she can do it on her own. No, they all <laughs> kick their own. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So mine just says, I'll bet you could strangle a bull. And she says, I calculate so. That's it? She doesn't say she could kick her own sweet ass? Oh, no. She does say it, but I have no idea. I didn't know what it meant. So it said, <laughs> it's fitness what done it. Fitness and dancing. You know the step? Foot it out backwards and toe your twitch it. Toe. <laughs> <laughs> your twitch it. Foot it out backwards and toe your twitch it. And then Cleonike says, what unbelievably beautiful bosoms. <laughs> like, like, they, they let's totally just ignore move, that. Yeah, we Moving have no on. idea what you said. <laughs> yeah, but the top half of you is great, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got nothing out of, out of those stage directions. I Didn't think know mine what might meant. be a little better. <laughs> I think so. Uh, okay. Um, twitch it? That's the name for the butt? It means butt, apparently. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now that the women have all gathered together, Lysistrata reveals her plan. Excuse me. She's like, don't you miss your husbands? And they all say, yes. And everyone's like, yeah, I would do anything. I would split myself in half. I'd walk through fire. I would do literally anything. And then she's like, here's my idea. No <laughs> penises for now. And they immediately walk away. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean that. Really? Yeah. yeah. She says, you literally said you would split yourself in half. And then I ask you to do this and you won't do it. And she's like, yeah, I don't. Women were actually supposed to be like the more sexual ones. Like, they're supposed to be just, like, uncontrollable. I don't know if they're portrayed as being more sexual in this. They seem to be equally sexual with the men. When I listened to, like, an analysis of this, they said that, like, I don't know about in this play, but, like, in the time period, women were, like, the ones who were supposed to have the harder-to-control libidos or whatever. Right, but I'm saying in this specific play, they actually they obviously have more control over their libidos because the men are the ones who are like, we'll do anything. We'll stop this war. Please have sex with us. She says, like, you literally said that you would die to get your men home, but you won't mm -hmm. hold off on sex. And they say, nah, <laughs> let the fighting rage on. <laughs> she said, I'm willing to walk through fire barefoot, but not to give up sex. There's nothing like it, Lysistrata. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it and I was like, I mean, I guess y'all didn't have a lot to do, hmm. you know? Especially the Athenian women. They couldn't even exercise in public. Again, not to get too graphic, but I'm also just like, how how good could it have been? You know, like, I just... It must have been amazing. How can all of their partners be that good? I don't know. Well, they, yeah, if they don't have TV, you don't know how good TV is. Everything else just <laughs> seemed a lot better in comparison. Like, yeah. if they'd seen one episode of The Office. <laughs> or Family Guy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Family Guy. So here's my question. Do you think Aristophanes consulted a woman to get her perspective on the whole thing as he was writing this? Like how good sex is? Yeah. Is it good or not? And she's like, yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's good. okay. Maybe he just asked his own wife. So maybe this play is just a reflection on him, his own abilities. Mm. He was like, how was that? 
would you rather die than never have that again? And she was like, yeah. And he's like, all right. Yeah, I guess I'd say that. (laughs) If it'll get you to quit asking me, I'll say it. Yeah, fine. Okay. (laughs) I'd rather die than never have sex with you again, (laughs) Aristophanes. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Lysistrata's complaining. She's like, oh, women suck. I can't believe this. No wonder there are tragedies written about us. So she, she finally turns to the Spartan woman, Lompito, and she's like, if you'll stand with me, if you'll vote with me, I know we can convince all these women to do it. But first, before she agrees, she says, in my version, it's right unsettling for gals to sleep all lonely like without no humping. Mine says, God. mine says, shit, it's no easy thing to lie in bed alone without no dong. <laughs> I think my version wins on that one. What do you think, Theo? Can you pick between ours and just say which is funnier every time? I mean, no living human would say either of those things. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, this guy never met a, a person from the mountains, right? Yeah, they like, all nobody... say humping, right? <laughs> It's unsettling to sleep all lonely like without no humping. <laughs> I'm so unsettled right now. God, I miss that humping. I had a whole night last night where nothing humped me and it was so weird. <laughs> I need to be humped at every moment of every night or I can't sleep. Or I'll be unsettled. Just hump me to sleep real Ugh, quick. Terrible. <laughs> all right. So she says, you get with me and then we can convince the rest of the women I know it. So she's like, all right, I'm on your side. Cal Nike's like, all right, well... Even if we do what you want, what does that have to do with peace? How can that happen? Lysistrata says, look, if we stay in our rooms and we're looking so good and we wear nice, like, imported see-through dresses and we slink by with our nicely groomed crotches, the men will want to have sex (laughs) with us. But then we'll say no. And then they'll make a peace treaty. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. Read your favorite line, Jackie. <laughs> yeah, so she says that, and Lompato nods. She's like, okay, okay, I get it. Menelaus, he took one squint at Helen's bubbies all naked and plumb throwed up. <laughs> throwed up? Plumb <laughs> throwed up. <laughs> Wait, what? You said Menelaus looked at her boobies and plumb throwed up. Helen's bubbies. <laughs> Why did he do that? <laughs> she said, so it says plumb throwed up, pause throwed up his sword. <laughs> what? So the, the joke there is, I said something that makes no sense, dot, dot, dot. Oh, it's actually a penis joke. No, I think she's saying, like, he, he gave up his sword. My translation is, you know how Menelaus saw Helen's bazooms and threw his weapon down. He plumb throwed up, and they're like, well, that's a good way to end a war then. So it's saying he threw it up like he had like a premature ejaculation thing. No, no, no. no. It just means he has erection. Okay. What they're referring to is how Menelaus, after Troy fell, his wife had run off with this young hot guy and he was planning to kill her, but he saw how hot she was and he put down his sword and was like, never mind. It's literally, she's just saying he literally put down his sword, but she does it with this weird pause. He plumb throwed up. So like he throwed up his sword. Have you ever... (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever plumb throw it up into the puke bush? (laughs) Have you ever like seen some bubbies all naked and decided I gotta throw up? (laughs) No. Yeah, this is the one that's not in you. The one that's not. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It makes you feel crazy because then you're like, oh, whatever. Man, this is just weird because again, this is like a really nasty episode that our parents are going to listen to. But I will have to say, like, if if someone were to happen to throw up because they saw my naked body, I think. I would either be horrified or I'd be very aroused. <laughs> no, I'd be like, wow, what a compliment, right? I just figured out this is my thing, actually. 
<laughs> I never considered it before. You think it was a compliment? <laughs> I mean, in this scenario, it was a compliment. But yeah, I guess you could also take it as the opposite. But he didn't throw up. <laughs> what, would that be a good fake out for me? Like next time I see someone's naked body, I just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, just kidding. Listen to my episode on Lysa Strata and you'll see that that's a compliment. You'll get it. You'll get it. <laughs> like a like a cat that just like gets too excited. What? <laughs> Maybe this doesn't happen to everybody's cats, but Evangeline, no. if she like is too excited, she'll just go like <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't happen with everybody's cats. <laughs> but imagine if someone did throw up because they were just like so overwhelmed, like in a good way. Like that's such a funny idea. It is. <laughs> they just get so excited. I bet many children have done that actually. They get so worked up, they just throw up. From seeing boobies? No, not because oh, yeah. of boobies. A lot of times <sighs> kids get just so in general, they go to a birthday party, they get too excited, they go on a roller coaster, they eat a bunch of cotton candy, they throw up. It's a four-step process. There's one other funny thing about an issue that the war is causing, which is that, what? I'm sorry, I still don't totally understand. So it says he was going to throw up and then he threw up his sword. Is that an erection joke? No, it's not an erection joke. And also, I don't know if that translation is good because my translation doesn't make a joke about throwing up at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think this was a Douglas Parker choice that... What she was trying to say was, like, he saw this and lost his mind. But instead of that, like, he he was like, well, I have to do a thing where he gets rid of a sword, and I also have to make it sound like he's aroused. So he picked throwing up. (laughs) (laughs) He says a lot about Douglas. Yeah, maybe this is his thing. All right, well, whatever. (laughs) You gotta move past this. Well, I guess we'll just move on from that. (laughs) Okay, what I was gonna say is there's one other country that used to import something that they can't get anymore and they're pissed and that thing was it's made out of leather leather wrapped dildos and the women are like we have to end this war now because we can't even get dildos anymore I'm like they were wood wrapped in leather and you used them up they called it a handy do-it-yourself kit how did you run out of dildos like what <laughs> what are you talking about did they use them into nubs or something, huh? You think that would last forever is what you're saying? I would imagine so, yeah. A wooden dildo? Look, the supply chain issues are just insane. Do you know it was wood <laughs> on the inside or maybe it, maybe it was just It like was a, metal. I thought it was just leather. I, I said it was like leather wrapped. Hmm. Just leather. It couldn't <laughs> just be leather. There's got to be something else in there. <laughs> I don't know. It could be like a ball of leather or something. A ball? <laughs> I don't think it could. Well, you just roll it up into a cylinder and then you wrap that around other leather. You don't have a ball of leather that you like? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, I thought we all had like our favorite ball of leather. I mean, I certainly don't. <laughs> Neither do I. Jackie. Okay. Oh. Uh-oh. This is the episode where we find out each of our kinks. <laughs> not mine. It's not a leather ball. It's <laughs> Jackie's. It's people throwing okay, up when they let's... see your boobs. <laughs> I just want to have that effect on somebody. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm picturing the translator. He like he's not straight, or he's like not into women, but he doesn't realize it, and he's he just keeps like saying these things that he thinks all straight guys do. <laughs> what like, do I do when I see boobs? Yeah, you, you know, you know how like straight guys are always like repulsed by women's naked bodies. Yeah. And the editor is like, uh, okay, no, this not tracks. Yeah, okay, Douglas. It's like um, I knew somebody who was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't love bananas. Like you know, every time you eat them, and like your tongue kind of itches, and everybody was like, no. You're allergic to bananas. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she just thought, like, this is a normal thing. Like me and the peanuts. Like you and peanuts. I'm not allergic to peanuts. His tongue gets all scratched, or his throat gets scratchy every time he eats peanuts. 
We had a whole Oh, we're talking thing. about him. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Remember, because I was like, don't you hate it how when you eat peanuts, then you try to talk like 10 minutes later and you can't do it because you're like, your throat is all scratchy and closed. <laughs> and swollen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot Theo did have that. And we, we both immediately were like, Theo, you're allergic to peanuts. And he's like, what? No. <laughs> it's just that I can't talk after I eat them. <laughs> but yeah, I'm probably not allergic. No, you are. All right. Moving on. This is the hill he wants to die on. Uh, okay, so so she's talking to the women and she says, yeah, let's just withhold sex from the men. And they said, well, what if the men force us to have sex with them? She's like, you can't enjoy it. And you also like will refuse to do any housework. Mm-hmm. And no husband wants to have sex with a wife who's not enthusiastic. So pretty soon, even if they try to force you. They'll be like, eh, I don't like this. They said, what if they try to, like, carry us away by force? And she says, hold on to the door frame. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what if they beat us? And she's like, well, then just lay there and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then they take this hilarious oath. So Lysistrata says, we're going to take an oath. And apparently what they typically would have done would have been to, like, do a blood sacrifice of a goat or a sheep or something or a boar in a shield. And so she calls over a policewoman and says, put your shield down. We're going to sacrifice something into the shield. And they're like, no, no, no. What are you doing? This is a you know, we're trying to get peace. We can't swear an oath on a shield with blood. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, instead we're going to do it with wine in a jar. So they get the jar and they get the wine and they start to take this. Lysistrata gives them the words of this oath that are like hilariously specific about all of the things that they agree that they're not going to do. Do you want to like, I don't know, I guess, Rachel, we can't read them because we don't have the same version. So so basically, yeah. So Lysistrata says, repeat after me. And then she says the oath and they repeat it. So you can just say the oath if you want. Okay. Can you repeat after me, Rachel? We're swearing an oath. Okay. Got your wine? Yeah, uh, n- no, I don't have I wine I will tonight. withhold all rights of access or entrance. I will withhold all rights of access or entrance. From every husband, lover, or casual acquaintance. <laughs> from every husband, lover, or casual acquaintance. Who moves in my direction in erection. Who <laughs> <laughs> moves in my direction in erection. I will create imperforate and cloistered chastity. I will create imperforate mm-hmm. and cloistered chastity. A newer, more glamorous, supremely seductive me. <laughs> A newer, more glamorous, <laughs> supremely seductive me. And fire my husband's desire with my molten allure. And fire my husband's desire with my molten allure. <laughs> but remain to his panting advances, icily pure. But remain to his panting advances, icily pure. That's good poetry, right? If he should force me to share the connubial couch. If he should force me to share the connubial <laughs> couch. Why are we, re- I don't need to repeat after you. Like, just read it. <laughs> you're doubling the amount of time. She's tricking you, Rachel. She, You're taking the oath. She's making me swear it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Stephen. Um, I refuse to return his stroke with the teeniest twitch. I will not lift my slippers to touch the thatch. Or submit sloping prone in a hangdog crouch. If I this oath maintain, may I drink this glorious wine. But if I slip or falter, let me drink water. So here's the funny thing. The thing you said about the crouch, whatever, the literal translation, it was called a lioness on a cheese grater, which was apparently a really popular knickknack to have in the house was a cheese grater where the handle is like a lioness crouched to pounce. Oh. So they would call a sexual position the lioness on the cheese grater. I, okay, I thought you were saying like the position is you need to be like a lion on a cheese grater. No. And I was like, that just sounds so unpleasant. <laughs> okay. No. 
They just, it was a popular thing to have. <laughs> so basically the idea is, yeah, they're saying if I don't keep this oath, then I have to stop drinking wine and only drink water. And they decide that they love sex, but they love wine more. So everybody swears. And they, Yep. Well, they're deciding that that's a powerful enough swear to make them hold to it. So it turns out that while they've been doing this swear, Lysistrata got a bunch of other women. Older women. Yeah, older women to take the Citadel of Athens, which is where they keep their treasury. And you hear this happening offstage and Lampeto says, what's all that bodacious ruckus? She's my favorite. <laughs> Don't you guys wish I would say things like this bodacious ruckus? Is that what you said? What's all that bodacious ruckus going on? You do kind of say stuff like that. You kind of do. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> do you think he knew we were going to say that? He's like, don't you wish I would do this? And we're like, you, you do. do. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't oh, I great? I'm so flattered. <laughs> Aren't I great for doing that? <laughs> what was the one that was like the supremely seductive me or something? <laughs> oh, a newer, more glamorous, supremely seductive me. Isn't newer, that so great? I'm going to write that on my mirror as like a daily affirmation. <laughs> yeah. Here's to a newer, more glamorous, supremely seductive me. I mean, you could put that in like a cover girl commercial and it would just it would be just as good. That is pretty good. <laughs> so they do this and they're saying the older women are taking the Acropolis and they're going to take charge of the treasury and take all of the money so we can't continue to wage war. So they're like, let's go help them. And Cleonike says... Up the sluts. Way for the old impregnables. That's pretty good. <laughs> Young women, let's go help the old women. Yeah. Sluts and old impregnables. Old impregnable. All right, nose goes. Nose goes. I'm Jackie. Wait, which of us is which? <laughs> I don't want to be the sluts. <laughs> you can be old impregnable. I'll be the sluts. Theo's a slut. I'm an old impregnable and Rachel is... We. A bearded clam. A bearded clam. <laughs> that really stuck with you. It's a terrible image. They keep a few of the Spartan wives as like, quote unquote, hostages. And they say to Lompito, okay, you go back to Sparta and you handle things on your end. We we believe in you. Next, we move on. There's something kind of interesting in this play, which is that we start the play with two different choruses instead of one. Uh -oh. We have a chorus that's made up of old men and a chorus that's made up of old women. Are they all played by men? Uh, yes. They're yeah, all they're still by all men. men. <laughs> and <laughs> so what we have is two sets of men, one of whom is in drag and one of whom is not. <laughs> the chorus of old men, they're planning to retake the citadel and they're going to do that by lighting it on fire essentially and they're all very sexist so <laughs> like they just sexist. go on and on about how much they hate women we should have also had theo read this there's a character named swifty they're carrying the logs to the citadel so that they can light them on fire and he says i'm never surprised at my age life is just one damn thing after another and yet i never thought my wife was anything more than a homegrown bother but now, Dad Blaster, she's a national disaster. Wow. Dad Blaster, she's a national disaster? Dad Blaster. That's, she's a national disaster. Dad Blaster. That's cool. That's like rapping. Do it, Theo. Hey, this is Theo jumping in at the edit. I didn't come up with anything, but Jackie sent this in. She recorded it in the car. It's pretty good, actually. Shawnee wants to say she out here ending a war Strut walking, big talking, about fight no more Rowdy gal rude, thinking no man can outlast her But she don't even know she in here baiting a master I'm over it, I'm past her That girl dad blast her, she's a national disaster So, anyway There is something pretty funny Another quote that I was considering having Theo read I thought actually it's something he could use Use? <laughs> in his daily life And they're so excited to smoke these women out And one of the men says Great goddess victory, give me a prize for feminine insolence valiantly squished. 
<laughs> so I can use that multiple times per episode whenever I best you. Whenever yeah. you squish our feminine insolence. <laughs> if that ever happens, Theo, we'll be sure to let you know. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> He's going to edit that out. Yeah. So it looks like he had the last word. Squishing your insolence. The chorus of old women show up and they're like, oh no, he's going to light our friends on fire. And they've got a bunch of buckets <laughs> of water. <laughs> and the men and women like argue back and forth about how they're going to put water on the fire. And the men are like, no, you're not. And they say, oh, yes, we are. And we're going to put some water on you too. It's full of hilarious rhyming insults. They dump water on them, and the guy says, what do you think you're doing? And she says, if you must know, I'm gardening. Perhaps you'll bloom. Yeah. Ooh. Do you ship them, Jackie, the leader of the old men and the leader of the old women? I ship absolutely everyone in this whole play with everyone else. It's just a complicated spider web of ships. Sounds like an orgy. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. There's a character that comes in who, in my version, is called the commissioner, but I think he's also called something else, probably in your version, Rachel. Mine's called the counselor. The counselor. So he's just a politician guy, and he's kind of just blethering. He comes in, and I don't honestly really know what his role is, but he says some funny things. So he's the guy who um, says the quote that Theo said at the beginning about females spontaneously combusting with lust and rub-a-dub-dubbing. Rub-a-dub-dubbing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have to tell me what it says for yours, but I am so confused. When the counselor shows up and he's talking to the men and they're kind of complaining about women together, mm-hmm. the counselor says, that's what we deserve, conniving with our wives the way we do, drawing them diagrams for decadence. Of course they sprout conspiracies like this. We stride into a jeweler's and we say, Goldsmith, the necklace that you made my wife, she was, uh, dancing hard the other night. The prong, you know, got jiggled and fell out. I have to sail to Salamis today, which was apparently a sexual pun. But if you're free this evening, go around and put that thing back in and screw it tight. And Mm -hmm. then he says, also, if you go to a leather workshop... And you see a hot guy working there that you would say, oh, Mr. Shoemaker, you know my wife's little toe and how tender it can get rubbed by her sandal strap. Drop by at noon and give her whole a jimmy and a stretch. Is he saying that Athenian men would just go up to random guys and be like, can you go bone my wife for me? Yeah. So he's saying this is our fault because we gave them sexual license and now we're reaping the consequences of that. So I think he was saying like, I guess maybe in exchange for having that same freedom themselves, or maybe if they were like, I have to just go away for a while. I need you to keep my wife happy while I'm gone. Like, that is what Why they're saying. Why would they need that? Like, that's just so weird to me because it is obviously a patriarchy. These know. women have no power. Why would the men be like, ugh, women with their sexual freedom, when actually they're just going up to random dudes and saying, please go have sex with my wife. Well, that's where I think the part comes in where women were supposed to be like these hypersexual beings and men were supposed to just be like barely able to like contain it. To keep so, up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're saying. Like they're they're crazy. It just I just cannot believe that that's actually what Athenians were like. Yeah, but mine, instead of saying, um, oh, my wife's bracelet broke, she was dancing last night, it says, she was thrashing around last night and the prong popped out of the bracket. (laughs) He's saying, she broke my dick. So, can you, like, handle this for me for now? Is that what it is? I don't know. I just think it's funny that he doesn't give any context for the... She just, you know how women thrash sometimes? She was doing that. She was thrashing. Typical woman stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> when Lysistrata shows up to talk to the counselor, he says, really, you walking poo? That sounds like something Theo would yeah. say. That is something I would say. Have you ever called anyone a walking poo before? <laughs> walking poo. 
Pooh Walker. <laughs> Pooh Walker. <laughs> so anyway, so he tells like individual guards to arrest Lysistrata, and every time a different old woman in the chorus makes a threat, and each individual individual guard kind of slinks off in shame. Mm-hmm. So he's like, grab her, and one woman says, lay one cuticle on her, and I shall beat you till you shit. <laughs> and then he tells someone else, and a different old woman says, one hangnail grazes her, and you'll be nursing eyes as black as tar. And then another one says, I'll give you screaming lessons on your hair. <laughs> <laughs> screaming lessons on your hair? Yeah. Mine says, I'll rip your hair out, but... I do think it's kind of funny that they're like, don't put your cuticles or your hangnails anywhere near her, as though they're just going to be like putting their hands backwards. Yeah. Right. Uh So eventually the counselor, he gets all his men together and he's like, attack all at once. And then Lysistrata's like, okay, women, you attack back all at once. Attack them. And they do it and they're about to like strip off all the guards armor and everything. But Lysistrata says, that's enough. Stripping their dignity is enough. So the counselor is freaking out about it, and so is the chorus of old men. She So now Lysistrata is having a conversation with the counselor and explaining why the women need to take charge. They say, like, look, we're just managing public funds now. You let us manage the household budget, so it's the same thing. We'll just handle the budget of the, you know, the city-state, and it'll be fine. And they just go on and on. She explains, you know, the women are going to save them. The man says, but that's unthinkable. She says, think what you like. And he says, unutterable. She says, no, uttered. (laughs) It's pretty good. But so at one point, he finally, he insults her and says something about her outfit. He calls her an abomination in a veil. And she's like, oh, you're hung up on my veil. And then they attack him all together and dress him up like a housewife. And they say, like, all right, now that you're dressed like this, you can go card some wool and chew gum and the women will handle the war stuff. Mm -hmm. They, like, go even further and kind of give him all the stuff that they would give to a corpse, like the coins and everything. They tell him, "Okay, you're dead now. Go to the river sticks. (laughs) Yeah, Karen is waiting to ferry you across. Go meet him. So they dress him up as a woman and then are just like, also, you're dead. Yeah. They dump a chamber pot on him and like beat him with different stuff. And they're like, okay, you died. Yeah, bye. bye. You're dead now. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's like an imaginary child's game. Like. I mean, if everyone in town decides you are, I guess you are. They also make fun of. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say very brief little unrelated aside. Speaking of like a weird child's game. So I was taking a walk before we did this recording and there were three little kids like playing on the sidewalk and they were talking to me. And as usual, you know, I always have my headphones in. I was like, actually, I was listening to the draft of the episode that Theo sent out Mm -hmm. that we're doing tomorrow. I was like, what? So I took my headphones out and they were just all like shrieking with laughter. And I was like, oh, God, what did they say? (laughs) And one of them was like, have you seen any old mans? And I was like, old man? She's like, yeah, there's an old man that's been walking around and he keeps changing his clothes and he has like a million cars. And I was like... Your grandpa. I was what? Yeah, he's he like a million man. cars. That was a real, real deep callback, Rachel. <laughs> On the one hand, I was like, well, they're just being silly. But I was like, I mean, maybe it's just multiple men. <laughs> like maybe you're just seeing like the yeah. same like there's one old man and he keeps having different wives and like living in different houses 
<laughs> yeah, they have a million cars and different outfits. Where Where is he? Sometimes he's a lot younger. I said, well, I'm not an old man, am I? And they said, no. And I was like, okay, I'll look for him. You're an old woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I have no idea how to interact with kids whatsoever. I always just like say something equally bizarre back to them. Just say you want to see a picture of my cat and then show it to them. Kids love animals. No, and then the parents come out and they're like, get away from my kid. What are you doing? Showing them pictures. So your kid talked to me first. Sheesh. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like you might be one of the old mans. That's not a good excuse. Yeah, your kid talked to me first. The kid did it first. Yes, she wanted it. Nobody ever has. I, I love children. I talk to kids all the time. Nobody has a problem with it. Usually I say hi to a little baby and the mom says, say hi back. I've got a great rapport with babies. <laughs> yeah, but if I walk on into someone's yard and say, hey, do you want to see my cat? That is super weird. You said you don't know how to interact with kids, so then don't interact at all. I'm just saying if you're already interacting with a kid, they started show them a cat pick. I wish that would be a great thing to say when you get like bingoed by somebody. Do you guys know that term? I don't know. I feel like it's from Reddit or something. It's basically like the term for when you don't want kids and someone tries to like play a bingo game of all the different reasons you should have it. So they'll be like, well, who's going to take care of you when you're old? And like, don't you think you'll be lonely? And maybe you'll change your mind later. And there's no joy in the world like having a kid who loves you and like all this different stuff uh -huh. getting bingoed. Yeah. <laughs> is it only for kids? Because I bet there is one for uh, if you say, I don't drink. Yeah. What if your friend invites you to their private vineyard and then it's rude not to drink the wine? Did someone, someone say that? Yeah, someone said that to me. <gasps> what? I was like, uh, I think we had different upbringings. <laughs> Are people normally convincing you to drink? I thought your problem was just that people would ask wh why not or like, are you an alcoholic? That's not... Trying to convince. It seems like people to. are just wanting to test it and just like get him yeah. to find an exception. Just test it for no reason, just to like. Well, what if I tell you you'll have bad sex for the rest of the year? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like trying <laughs> to hold my glass of water, and they like sneak up behind me and cheers me really quick, and they're like, ha. "Gotcha." I bet that people do it to you with being a vegetarian, Rachel. Right? Do they play bingo with you in that? Like, that? why not, or whatever? Or like, well, what if you were stranded on a desert island and you only had beef jerky, then would you still be a vegetarian? We can't release all of the animals on farms at one time or else they'll take over the world. Things like that. Normally <laughs> people will, will ask why and I'll say, I've got several reasons. So I'll just give a couple reasons and then they're like, oh, okay. Actually, I mean, people, the only person who does that kind of stuff is my dad, who's always like trying to make me eat meat or like acting like he forgot that I don't eat meat or whatever. My dad has the opposite problem. He forgets that I do eat meat like yeah. every time I come home he's just like what can I even feed you the and thing I was is, like anything <laughs> have you ever had any dietary restrictions no I mean I don't eat a lot of meat but I've never like gone to his house and said like I will not eat this pepperoni pizza or whatever like I mean there's nothing beneficial about eating meat there's literally no positive except the taste and that it's easier but like it's crazy to me for someone to be like good job eating a burger because that's not good for you but it supports the economy it supports the economy <laughs> i mean you're gonna eat something anyway that supports the economy <laughs> there's nothing good for you about red meat certainly like fish can be good for you like that's certainly healthier than mm. a lot of non-meat options but shrimp has all the essential amino acids well they can keep it <laughs> you do a retake huh oh yeah you want to re-say essential uh 
Shrimp have shrimp. Now I can't say any of it. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Sh- I, shrimps sh- have all the essential amino acids. Sorry, I just had that in my mind because uh, on the last recording session with Joseph, he said paschetti. So <laughs> on purpose? <laughs> no. Oh no, Joseph! I didn't say anything nearly that bad, but you're right. I did. <laughs> have I told you guys the the one thing I know about shrimp? <laughs> did have I ever told you the one thing I know about shrimp? No, but I guess this is a really special moment because we're never going to hear anything else from you about it (laughs) yeah right (laughs) this is all rachel's shrimp material this is pretty good yeah this is some shrimp advice i guess oh they got poop in the middle of them in the middle yeah yeah no yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. no poop walker or whatever (laughs) walking poo oh walking shrimp are swimming poo (laughs) so the lowe's grocery store near my parents house a few years ago they started like they had a bar. I don't know if the ones near you guys do this now, but they sell beer and they like have on tap a bunch of different beers and you can just sit at this bar and you can drink it while you're shopping. But yeah, so this was like the only quote unquote pub near our house was the Lowe's grocery store. So Steven and I went and we're sitting there and then there's this really, really old man next to us and he's having a conversation with some other old man. <laughs> And he said a sentence that I'm never going to forget. He said, the shrimp is the money maker. Like a butt? What? Because they make their money from the shrimp <laughs> instead of the drinks? No, he wasn't talking to the bartender. He was telling a guy next to him, oh. I'm guessing that they're both old fishermen. Oh. And he's saying that he gets most of his money from shrimp. <laughs> so that's the fact that you know about shrimp. Is that they're the money maker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Theo, I couldn't tell if you're feeling derisive of that. Could you make your tone of voice a little more obvious? <laughs> he hates it. He hates knowing that the shrimp is the moneymaker. <laughs> so let me get this straight. <laughs> that was the fact that you know about shrimp. Let me just add that to Wikipedia and let's see if it stands up to Wikipedia's standards. You have to cite it. The old man. Shrimp are the the cockroaches of the sea and they freak me out. Why do you cockroaches say Cockroaches are the money makers of the and land. And are you the only one who's... <laughs> yeah. Why do I say what? Why, why do you say that? And do other people say that? They clearly are cockroaches. Just look at them. Like evolutionarily, visibly, all the ways no, you they're can pink. be a... Shrimp are famously pink. Shrimp are pink, except for the poop. There. How do you not see this? They, they're they're like little insect things with all these different You know, legs. there are other bugs than cockroaches, right? Might as well say shrimp are the butterflies of the sea. No, they look like cockroaches. So we had hermit crabs and Madeline, my younger sister, was holding one. She was like having a great time with it, thought it was so cute. And then for some reason, I decided to say, you know, hermit crabs are the spiders of the sea. And she went, ah! And like threw it on the floor. Why would that make oh it different? It was fine. I don't know. That's why it's funny. And she was just like, now it's a spider. And she threw it. She saw it in a whole new light. Yeah, she did. You should wow. one time when you're with your sister, like sitting nicely together, be like, you know, I'm the spider of the land. I'm the spider. Wait, what's, the who's land. a really attractive actor? Oscar Isaac. We've been on an okay, Oscar so Isaac kick I tell kick women lately. that I'm... The Oscar Isaac of spiders. <laughs> I'm the Oscar Isaac of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go up to someone and say, I'm the Oscar Isaac of spiders. And it's just like, oh, I fucked that up so bad. It, no, I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> if I were on a dating app and a guy greeted me with, hey, you know, some people call me the Oscar Isaac of spiders, I would 100% respond Whereas when guys are like, oh, hey, you know, whatever they say, like, hey, you want to see my peen or something? I don't respond. 
So I'm just saying that's a pretty good opening line. What if I said, do you want to see the peen of spiders? <laughs> what would you think about that? <laughs> I would be like, spiders don't have peens. <laughs> I'd say exactly. you're in for a nasty surprise. Here we Hope go. you got your puke bush handy. <laughs> or would that be a better thing for a woman to say? Like, hey, do you want to see the crocodile of penises? And they'd say... The crocodile of penises. <laughs> I don't know. They'd say crocodiles don't have penises, and I'd be like, No, no, it's the neither. crocodile of penises, not the penis of crocodiles. So it would be a penis, crocodile. and you're like, This one's the I don't crocodile. Know, none of this makes any it's, sense. It's, it sounds like that's like you have a murder of crows or like a, a crocodile of, of penises. It's a crocodile of penises. <laughs> what is that? Just one? <laughs> okay. The reason that's so funny is that normally a collective noun for animals is just like a random word. <laughs> but this time the collective noun yeah. for penises is a random animal. <laughs> and it's a singular random animal. <laughs> one murder, one crocodile. <laughs> so two or more penises is called a crocodile. It's canon. <laughs> Yeah. So if you're coming on to another guy, you can be like, would you like to become a crocodile? I want to make this penis into a crocodile. <laughs> We're totally gone. We're, we haven't talked about Les Estrada in like 20 minutes. I think it's the beer that I drank. <laughs> I cannot get over. Some people call me the Oscar Isaac of spiders. Some people call me the Oscar Isaac of spiders. <laughs> like that. Some, Some people call me the crocodile, the crocodile of penis. Rub a dubby, rub a dubby all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anybody ever turned that into a bath time song? The Gangster of Love? Yeah, because you know the parts where he says, the part I just Lubby did. Lubby dubby all the time, but he would say rubby uh, dubby, dubby all the time. Scrubby dubby. Rubby dubby, rubby dubby all the time. Yeah. Did you guys dubby? have a tubbly bubbly? Scrubby bubbly. <laughs> yeah. By the way? Um, no. Is that what you call your tub? Because <laughs> I'm British. Because <laughs> we had a tub. Americans don't call them tubbly bubblies. <laughs> it's all spelled with OUs. Yeah. Well, I called mine a tubbly champagne, but it's because it was from that region. <laughs> no, it's um, tubbly bubblies. <laughs> tubbly bubblies are these. Um, they're like rubber elephant heads that you stick on the spout of the tub so that babies and little kids don't hit their mm. heads on the metal. And then the water comes out through the trunk. Love it. Oh, no, my parents didn't care if we hit our heads on oh the metal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> In fact, it was encouraged. I'm going to look it up. Tubbly bubbly. I'm going to get one for my kids. They're so freaking cute. Do they look the same? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And they have a hippo now. Is a hippo called a tubbly bubbly? You're going to be trying to find the part where, like, Theo or I, you know, <laughs> said something in return, and there's not going to be anything. She's literally just... Talking about tubbly bubbly. <laughs> monologuing. Yeah. yeah. There's a hippo. Is the hippo a tubbly bubbly? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'll just insert her responses to herself into our track. So. <laughs> <laughs> to make them come, sound like they're coming from yeah. different earbuds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, make more work okay. for yourself. I don't care. Whoa. How rude. <laughs> that was rude? Yeah. You know how rude you've been to me this whole time? Really? <laughs> this whole time? Yeah. You called me a tubbly bubbly. No, I didn't. You wish I called you one. Something. Or something. You called me a walking too. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I asked if you thought that was something you'd say, and you said yes. It's better than poop walker. Poop walker sounds like some kind of like Native American monster. Whoa. <laughs> like a, I'm thinking of the skinwalker. Skinwalker, yeah. Yeah. Like a gross version of the skinwalker. <laughs> uh, just stick to the tradition. Yeah, I think I'll steal someone's skin instead. Thank you very much. They also have something <laughs> funny in the Lysistrata. Let's get back to that, I guess, for now. 
And they start making fun of men who walk around all the time wearing their armor. And their weapons, their shields and their spears and their swords. Yeah, like they just walk around with their weapons out all the time. Also, the weapons are very much like a phallic symbol. And she's just saying that's so embarrassing to them. They're basically just cosplaying in their armor. They need to have to take it off whenever we're at home. They say there's no reason you need to be walking around with a spear to buy figs. Yeah, it's just silly. She says, look. You know, when you're carding wool and it's all tangly and then you make it smooth, that's exactly what we're going to do to the tangle of this war. And we're going to use ambassadors as our combs. (laughs) So Lysistrata tells the counselor, like, look, I feel really bad for the women who are married and our husbands are gone, but I feel really bad for the poor young girls who are just at home, like getting older and older and waiting for husbands that they're not going to be able to get. I feel especially bad for the virgins because they don't even have the little do-it-yourself kits anymore. And the counselor says, well, don't men get old too? And Lysistrata says, well, we all know that's not the same because any decrepit old veteran can get a child bride anytime he wants, but a woman who goes Mm. past her prime, that's it for her. (laughs) I just threw up and it's not because I saw Helen's naked bubbies. (laughs) She threw up in a bad way audience (laughs) yeah i did not make it to the puke bush no so anyway so at this point so they've told him to pretend to be dead and now the the chorus of old men and the chorus of old women have decided that they are going to physically fight each other and it gets weird they're like they start taking their clothes off to get ready to fight and wrestle isn't that exactly what odysseus did got nude Took off his clothes. Yeah. yeah. Why, why has he got to get the nude? I didn't understand this at all because the men do it first. They're like, all right, boys, take off your clothes. No point in hiding it. And it's like, but what's the point in taking your clothes off? there's no though? point in hiding it. <laughs> there's no point in anything. Like, just we might as well keep them on. Jackie's really a nihilist. Sometime, <laughs> sometime later, the women do the same thing. They're like, all right, we might as well get rid of ours, too. Quick, women. Put your dresses on the floor. Let the men sniff the creatures so annoyed. <laughs> Why are the creatures so annoyed? I guess the women are the creatures so annoyed. Is it their stinky privates? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, the men earlier, they say, like, take your shirts off, men. Let women smell men's sweat. So they're all talking about how they want to let each other smell each other. <laughs> it's, like, so bizarre. Mine says, all right, ladies, strip for action. Let's give them a whiff of femme and rajay. Piercing and pungent, but not at all tart. What the fuck? So, like, female rage. Female rage. Enrage. <laughs> okay. Like, enrage okay. with a little thing on the end. Yeah. All right. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's not a real word. It sounds like it's French. <laughs> so they talk more about the eels that they love so much. Like, you guys have got to stop talking about those freaking eels. So anyway, they're getting ready to fight. And I guess... There's a scene change. And then the next time we see them, it's been several days. And Lysistrata shows up and she's really upset. And the women are like, what's wrong? And she's like, ugh, women's minds are so freaking weak. They're all trying to escape. (laughs) They're all trying to run off and have sex. She says, I'm not able to enforce husband diversion. And she says, like, I saw one woman trying to tunnel out. And I saw another woman repelling from a crane. Another one tried to ride a sparrow to escape. What? I had to grab her hair and drag her back. 
<laughs> so one of them tries to go home and she's like, I have to go. Like my wool is rotting. They're going to have moths all over it. I can't leave it. And she's like, nope, you're going to leave it. You have to stay. Somebody else tries to run out and she's like, I'm going to give birth any second. Get me to the doctor. It's coming. It's coming. And she's like, you weren't pregnant yesterday. And she's like, well, now I am. It's a miracle. I'm pregnant <laughs> yeah. now. And then she realizes she's got like a soldier's helmet under her shirt. Yeah. Women are always using that excuse. Yeah. I'm so tired of that. Of saying, I'm, yeah. I'm about to give birth right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you weren't pregnant five minutes ago. It's a miracle. The women that she's stopping, obviously, all of their conversations are just full of innuendo. One woman's like, uh, I have to go home and spin some flax. When she's arguing with Lysistrata, she says, I swear by Hecate, I'll only stay to give it one good shuck. And Lysistrata says, no shucking way. The translator says, this is an untranslatable joke. The joke is that flax had to be separated from its woody fibers, an action somewhat like pushing back the foreskin of an uncircumcised penis before (laughs) sex. The same verb is used. It's an ancient Greek joke. I, I can't translate it. Yeah, it's yeah. really funny, though. Like, it's so funny. It's just one of those foreskin jokes. You guys wouldn't get it. It's one of those ancient Greek foreskin jokes. <laughs> yep. So she's having to stop all these women who are trying to escape. She's really worried that they're not going to make it and telling them, stop. It, it'll be fine. We can do it. So she decides to trick the women and says, look, I talked to an oracle. And the oracle says that if we just stick together, we'll win. Apparently, most of the women can't read, so she just grabs a scroll and says, The scroll says that bad things will end when Zeus the Thunderer brings low the lofty, but if the bickering birds fly separate ways, leaving the sacred temple, it will show that swallows are the world's most shameless trash. So all the women are easily tricked, and they're saying, like, oh my gosh, okay, we can do this. We can last a little bit longer. How long has it been? Since she started this, is it like a day, a month? It's been a few days at least because the when the old men and old women were about to fight, that was several days before. So I would guess a week. Hmm. I don't know. Well, anyway, so then after this, the chorus of men comes in and there's not really anything I want to say about this except that it's... He says, I ha- or the chorus says, I have a tale that I want to tell you. So there was once a huntsman named Melanion who remained a virgin. They called him an alfresco celibate. Wow. So, an alcel. Wow. Yeah, that's not how mine translates at all. They just say, they told him to get married and he ran to the mountains and had a wonderful dog. And it says, he never went home. His hatred continued burning bright. And we hate women just as much because we know what's right. It's like, you do not hate women as much as that guy. You'd be living in the woods. Yeah. He says, Melanion is our ideal. His loathing makes us free. Our dearest aim is the gem-like flame of his misogyny. The gem-like flame of his misogyny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that one was funny. I will admit that. (laughs) But that is such an incel thing to say, right? Yeah. The translator for me says that he was an odd choice to choose as a misogynist because normally the myth stresses that he actually went to the wilderness to be near his beloved, the huntress Atalanta. Oh, he was like, I'm not marrying any of you hoes. I'm going to go hang out with her. Yeah. But so then in response, the women say, well, let us tell you a tale about a guy named Tymon. He was a wild man and he hated all men and he cursed them with venom he loathed all of you the same as we do but was always a sweetie to women (laughs) and the translator says this was also not a great example because he was famous for his misanthropy but not his misandry so Tymon hated everyone he didn't just hate men (laughs) but he was a sweetie to women according to them 
But so they just tell stories about, oh, this guy hates women. Oh, yeah, well, one guy hated men and liked women. Is that a good way to have an argument? (laughs) So now the women are like, oh, my gosh, there's a man coming. He has an offering of meat for the temple. And they realize that the man is Kinesius, who is the husband of Myrony. And Myrony, remember, was the one whose name meant like hairy clam or whatever. His name, Kinesius, comes from the Greek word for fuck. So both of their names are very obvious. Lysistrata is like, I'm really worried that you're going to have sex with him, but you need to understand that you can't. Like, just tease him. And she's like, I can do it. I I swear I've got this. Lysistrata says, okay, but I'm going to get him all worked up first. So she does. So she goes out and she's like, oh, it's you, Kinesius. um, Myrony never says anything but good things about you. She's the perfect wife. Every time one of us mentions our husband, she says, they're nothing like Kinesius. (laughs) She says, every Every time she has a snack, smooth eggs or juicy apples, she toasts you. (laughs) Every time she eats an egg, she's like, damn, my husband's testicles are so smooth, just like this egg. Here's to Kinesia. She says, whenever we mention men, that wife of yours declares without delay, they're all a pile of crud compared to mine. (laughs) And he's so worked up with passion. He's like, bring her out here right now. I need to talk to that lady who thinks everybody else is crud. Yeah. So she's like, well, okay, I'll call her down. Sure. And the husband, like, while she's gone, he's just muttering to himself about how horny he is all the time now that she's gone. And also with him, he has, like, a slave from his household, and the slave has their son, the little boy, Miranese little boy. So he brought him along to try to convince mom to come home. Yeah, so she's like, I'm not coming down. I don't care about your penis. And she goes to leave, and he's like, listen. He tells the baby, call your mom. And the baby calls for his mother, and she's like, come on, he hasn't had food or a bath in six days. She's like, oh, I guess his dad doesn't care about him. (laughs) In mine, it says she takes the baby and says, sweet babykins with such a nasty daddy. (laughs) (laughs) So she finally goes down to feed the baby and she's talking to the husband. He's reaching for her and saying like, all your stuff, it's bad now that you've left. Like the hens got in the house and they pecked at your nicest cloth. And she says, basically, I'm going to come home once you make a deal to end the war. And he says, oh, yeah, sure. okay, I'll vote for that. No problem. She's like, "Okay, go on, go vote. And as soon as you do, I'll go home. But for now, I'm staying here. So he says, well, okay, if you have to stay here, then can we just have sex here? And she's like, no, even though I want to no." He's asking her why not. And she makes these excuses like she says, well, the baby's here. And he tells the slave, take the baby home right away. Okay, no baby now. Let's do it. (laughs) And he's like, well, can we just how about right here? This will be perfect. She's like, "Uh, but yeah, what about a bed? She's like, oh, we don't have a bed. Hold on. I'll go get a cot. So she goes and gets a cot, which is like one of those rope cots where the ropes are just like tied across and you would put a mattress on top. So she goes and gets that. And he's like, all right, ready to go. And she's like, oh, wait a second. We forgot a mattress. And he's like, I don't need a mattress. Okay, what? Yes, you do. What are you going to do? Just lay on these ropes? She says, I do. (laughs) Well, everything else after that, she's like, oh, no, I forgot a pillow. And then I forgot a blanket. And then I forgot this. And I forgot that. And like she keeps leaving and leaving. And he's like, stop bringing things. Which I'm sure the audience would have been roaring. But the first one made a lot of sense. You do need a mattress. <laughs> Once while she's gone, he goes, she's going to decorate until I die. <laughs> it's pretty good. Sorry, I just thought this was funny. He says, what a love feast. Only the table gets laid. Ba-dum-cha. Nice. Well, guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. Greeks are pretty funny, huh? They're all like this, even today. (laughs) (laughs) To our Greek listeners, right in. We would really appreciate it if you would go on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so just go on Apple Podcasts 
you can find our podcast there. And when you find our podcast, then you can rate and review our podcast. And if you do that, we will become millionaires. If every one of you reviews our podcast and rates it, we'll become millionaires. Actually, if only one of you does it. You're right. We only need one more. Oh, yeah, we, we only close. need one more yeah. and you can be it, you. <laughs> There's also a Patreon where we have our, our stuff going on. If you sign up as a patron on Patreon, <laughs> you can get extra content. I was about to say free content, but no, sign up. It costs money. You get extra bonus content. You can if hear. you give us some money in exchange, we'll give you some free yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah, we got some bonus content up there. You can check all of that out. It's very silly. You can find that on patreon.com slash fire the cannon mm-hmm. spelled C-A-N-O-N. Now we're going back to the episode. Without further ado, the episode begins again now. <laughs> Here it comes. Hey. <laughs> Without further ado, it is going to begin again very and shortly in just a few moments, but no delays. It's now. about to happen. It's time for the triumphant return of Oil. Oil. My Oil's favorite character. <laughs> Audience, if you've listened to our episodes about the Odyssey, you'll know that oiliness is next to godliness for the ancient Greeks. <laughs> they had a weird fetish for the stuff, and they were just constantly oiling up the feet of Odysseus' son. <laughs> like any of the characters when they were supposed to be described as good. He was so freaking oily. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like Penelope appears and she's beautifuler than ever. So much oil. <laughs> it's a newer, more glamorous, oilier me. Yeah. <laughs> Supremely more oily me. <laughs> Perfect. So apparently the oil bottles would have been like a very funny sight gag because ancient Greek oil bottles, it says were about about the size and shape of an erect penis. So she like walks in holding this bottle of oil and she's like, here, take some oil, put it on your peen. And he takes it and is like, ugh, this smells weird. And she goes, oops, sorry, wrong one. And then walks away and gets another bottle of oil. So now she's got like multiple penis shaped bottles, I suppose. And he's like, quit bringing me things. And she tells him like, I'm going to take my shoes off. And now don't forget, You're going to vote for a peace treaty. And he starts to make an excuse and she runs away. Why would you make an excuse? (laughs) Yeah. And he goes, oh, whoa, whom shall I screw? (laughs) The loveliest one is gone. (laughs) And then this is a part where he addresses someone in the audience. He says, I need a pimp. Hey, you. And says like an actual name or it would have been the nickname of like a famous pimp at the time who probably would have been in the audience. So he would like literally point at this pimp and be like, you. Bring me someone. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, that uh-huh. Yeah, that guy. You got him yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> you can't do the same thing this time They around. translate it as, go hire me a nanny for my dong. Oh, Lord. Yeah, what do they do now when they stage the play? Just point at whoever. Point at whoever. Uh, they probably just put, I don't know. Who do they put in the audience who's a pimp? They it was Jeffrey Epstein. That's not a funny joke. Um, not at God. all. Just put him there in aren't really any famous pimps, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could really, like, I would feel so embarrassed if they pointed at me and they're like, hey, Theo, go find me a prostitute. Oh, 
Dude, I don't do that. And they're like, you You must know where all the prostitutes are, right? <laughs> you can get me the best sex workers in town. So now the old men all of a sudden show up and they're like, oh, you poor thing. How will your nuts remain intact? Will you not go insane? Does no one understand how to deal with this? It's like no one can masturbate in this thing. Hmm. We'll get more into it. It gets worse and worse and worse. Like everybody is showing up. I mean, the women can. They have these dildos that they've used up apparently. Nope, supply chain issues. So the men are like, oh, your wife, she's terrible. And then the old women pop up and they say, no, she's great. And they kind of argue back and forth a little bit. And here's something funny. So Kinesius says... He cries out to the heavens. He prays to Zeus and says, please, Zeus, bring me a whirlwind and pick my wife up with the whirlwind and flip her around in the air and then land her on my penis. <laughs> wow. Did he do it? Did Zeus do it? Uh, no, he didn't do it. Should have sacrificed more animals yeah. to yeah. get that sort of treatment. <laughs> Kill a few more cows and then you get your whirlwind. It does sound like something Zeus would want to do, though, doesn't it? Or it's kind of like you hear about those stories from like ER doctors who talk about like, yeah, this guy always comes in and says like he just happened to slip and this thing went right up yeah. his butt. Like every week he always says the same thing. But like, uh, what if that actually happened? What if Zeus actually <laughs> It's yeah. weird. The storm just blew and then this thing ended up over here. And I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Pretty funny prayer. So now we're kind of winding things up. A Spartan herald shows up to talk to whoever. He talks to Kinesius and he's like, hey, uh, I've got something to say. And he apparently also has a huge erection because Kinesius says, are you a human being or a pole? He's like, no, I'm a I'm a herald. And he's like, well, explain the pike you have beneath your clothes. And he's saying, no, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. And they go back and forth. He makes some more jokes. He says, it's a Spartan staff. And then Kinesius opens his cloak and is like, well, then I guess I've got one of those, too. Just tell the truth. I know what's happening. The women aren't having sex with us. So he's just saying we're in the same boat. So they just have these erections that don't ever stop because the women won't have sex with them. Right. Nonstop erections because it's been like five days since they've had sex. Yeah. I mean, they should go to the hospital. Yeah. We don't know how long it's been. Maybe it's been a year. Who knows? No, wait. It has to have only been six days because that's how long the ba- since the baby's been fed. So it hasn't even been a week and they're already busting out. So we find out that Lampito has been doing a great job in Sparta, keeping the women together. Like they kind of ran off to stay away from the men. And Kinesius is like, yes, all the women in the country, they all got together and they planned this. I can tell now. So quickly go back, get some ambassadors from Sparta who can reach a settlement with us. And on the evidence of this, my dick, I'll make our council choose some legates too. And he's like, okay, bye. So anyway, that's what's going on. The men and women are fighting. The old man says, you know, women revolt me and it stays that way. But the women kind of, they feel bad for them because I guess they're naked again. So the leader of the old women and the leader of the old men are kind of... being sweet to each other now. So she puts a cloak around the old man and she tells him, oh, uh, you've got a giant bug in your eye. Here, I'll take it out for you. And the guy's like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, go ahead. Take that bug out of my eye. Wow, he's been in there all day. I didn't get it. And she takes the bug out and says, wow, I've never seen such a big gnat. He looks like a swamp monster. 
from the puke bush swamp? No, I have no idea where it came from. Maybe. What does this have to do with anything? I don't know. I thought, is he crying? And then there, she's like trying to give him an excuse and saying like, oh, it's just oh. this big bug. No, no. She, I'm pretty sure she <laughs> takes the bug out. Because mine says she wipes his tears. Mine literally says as a stage direction that she removes the bug from his eye. So I think it is a real bug. Oh God, he had to put a bug in because his eye? Because there's been such a big bug in his eye. Now he's like tearing up and then she wipes the tears off and gives him a kiss and the men's chorus says no and the women's chorus says it's not up to you <laughs> mine says all right i'll do it and then the stage direction says removing the imaginary insect okay well, mine just says removes it i mean I, I don't know but this just says that she removes the bug i mean it makes more sense to me that it's a way to make him not feel bad about crying that makes more sense than a literal bug being in his eye. But there's nothing about him crying until after she takes the bug out. Then he's like, oh, yeah, now that the bug's out, my eye is watering. Yeah. He says, your kindness touches me deeply for years. That thing's been sinking wells in my eye. Now you've unplugged me. Here come the tears. I mean, in the actual play, it would have been imaginary. Like, they obviously wouldn't stick a full bug in this dude's eye. I don't understand. If he's not tearing up before... Why would she pretend there was a bug in his eye so that then he could cry? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe she saw he was about to. I don't think so. She's she's trying to soften him up. I think she's trying to soften him up by taking a bug out of his eye. She says, if you show me a little respect, I'll extract the beast in you. And he says, what beast in me? And she says, that insect there, the bug that's stuck in your eye. And it says he's playing along dubiously. (laughs) And he says, this gnat? And she says, yes, nitwit. Well, maybe your your translator doesn't think it's a real bug, and mine thinks it is a real bug. Uh, that's probably the cause of the issue. It's the cause. Anyway, so they're kind of babying. Can't be a bug. They're, what, what, Theo? Go on. Okay. So they're kind of babying the old Can't men, and the old men are loving it. And they decide they're going to make peace. So now the two choruses of old people join together in one chorus and they start singing and dancing happily about how they're going to have this wonderful (laughs) feast together once peace comes it's just like the end of three cowboys (laughs) wow so the spartan ambassadors show up and they talk to the athenian ambassadors and they make a bunch of jokes about their penises the athenians say like we've arrived at wits and gonads end and the chorus leader tells them, like, you better cover up your erections. What if a prankster with a chisel sees them? <laughs> and tries to, like, make and, them into a no, statue? No, chisels your peens right off. Oh, no. Prankster. Huh? Yeah, what a wacky little prankster. What a hilarious prank, yeah. Teenagers. It's pretty funny. They're talking about, like, how their armies have some sort of disease going on. And they're like, ah, we've got the same ones. Let's work on it. He's The guy is looking at Kinesius and he says, dreadful disease. When the crisis reaches its height, what do you take for it? And he says, whatever comes to hand. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. At this point, I feel like they should have just forsaken the women and just said. That's what I don't get is that Athenians used to make fun of Spartans for, you know, man love or whatever. So I don't know why they didn't really make fun of them for that here. Like, You'd think an Athenian would be like, ah, Spartans, they don't even need women or something. But they didn't take that 
opportunity. Mm. I don't understand. It kind of doesn't make sense that the Spartans are just as plugged up as the Athenians are and are like, we have got to have sex with women. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I guess he abandoned his gay jokes just once to make this plot make more sense. <laughs> he had to let one slip out, but for the most part, he really didn't have any. Mm. So they say like, we need Lysistrata. We need her to organize our peace treaty. Get her out here. She's got the biggest balls of all. Come on. And so she shows up. She's like, okay. She brings out a woman in Jackie's translation. She's called peace. In mine, she's called reconciliation. And it says she would have been an actor in a body stocking padded to look like a nude woman. And she tells this woman, okay, take the Spartans by the hand and if he pulls his hand back, take his dong and then lead the Athenians also to the stage and, you know, grab them by whatever you want to grab. And so they get all the men together and they're holding the naked woman's hand. She says, like, I am a woman, but I have a mind that wasn't bad to start with. And I got a first class education listening to father and the elders year on year. So she's like, listen up. There are barbarians threatening us, but you're fighting other Greeks instead of fighting them? Like, how dare you? So she looks to the Spartans and she criticizes them for something. She says, you know, there was a time when there were people who were threatening you from outside of Greece and an Athenian general came to help you. You know, we did this great thing for you and look what you've done to us. You're paying us back like this. And the Athenians get angry and they say like, yeah, the Spartans are a bunch of criminals. And this is where the Spartan is like, yeah, he's so entranced by the woman. He's like, I guess we are. What a gorgeous rectum. <laughs> but she translated <laughs> as Yeah, I ass. guess we are the worst, but Lord, she's got a pretty butt. Yeah, but like, look at her butt. It's amazing. And she says, well, look, I'm not going to spare I'm not going to spare the Athenians either. And she criticizes them because she says once we were being oppressed by someone and the Spartans came and helped us. And the Spartan is still distracted by the woman and the Athenian, I guess, is looking at her vagina or whatever. I don't know her labia, I suppose, to be more scientific. He's checking it out. He's checking out her front junk, not her rectum like the Spartan. <laughs> to be more fr scientific, the front junk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she says, look, we have a history of doing nice things for each other. So why should we argue? Let's just reconcile. And then they have another scene where the woman, the naked woman is like a map of territory and they make a lot of geographic puns about her nudity. Yeah. And again, it's always the jokes about the Spartans being obsessed with anal sex. They're like, we'll take that butte. Butte. Yeah. Which, of course, is just spelled butt with an E. Yeah. Mm. This one, it says, so in mine, it says that um, there was a city of Pylos on the western coast that the Athenians had and that the line where the line where the Spartan wants to take Pylos, she says it includes a pun on the word anus, but it's untranslatable. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> so the Athenians are like, well, yeah, in exchange, they say like, oh, well, I'll take this deep gulf, which I'd love to explore and these nice legs of land. <laughs> legs of land. That's a good pun. Yeah, the Spartan says, you can't have everything. And Lysistrata says, make a compromise and part the legs. Let the legs go. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, they make some more puns about like plowing and fertilizing. The Spartan makes another anal sex pun and says something about spreading manure on his field. Oh, God. She's like, okay, well, that's all fine after you've fully organized the settlement. So everyone says, great. Okay, we're going to do it. 
And she says, then let's have a party. We're going to go to the temple now because apparently you couldn't go to the temple after you've had sex unless you're, you've purified yourself. So she's like, let's go to the temple first and then you can go home with your wives. They're like, hooray. And they all leave together. But we see the ambassadors like coming in to another building and there's slaves in there. It's just, there's apparently like a tradition of like uh, in comedies, they would often have slapstick scenes where they're beating slaves and chasing them around and like kicking them out of places. Hilarious. Yeah, and it is even like lampshaded where someone's like, one of the characters is like, oh, I don't know if we're actually going to go through with this. And I suppose the audience would have been like, yeah, do it. Kick them out. <laughs> they talk about it being a cliche. So then the Athenian ambassadors are saying, wow, what a fun party we've had with the Spartans. They're actually pretty good guys. And when we're drunk, we're smarter than we've ever been before, which must be the problem when we've negotiated in the past is we've done it sober. So from now on, we should just always get drunk before we negotiate things. So that's the plan. Perfect. The Athenian ambassadors are like, okay, great. It's time to have sex. So you guys reclaim your wives. We'll reclaim ours. We're going to do some dances and thank the gods. So all together, they sing a little song and they praise Athena. And, you know, I guess they're giving her the credit for pulling this off, even though they really should be crediting Lysistrata. But uh, that's what happens. They sing about that and they leave the stage all singing and dancing together. That's it. All of that because of six days of no sex. Yeah. <laughs> that end the whole war. <laughs> it was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah, they really didn't have anything else time. to do, Jackie. You don't understand. Like we have Twitter. We have Reddit. Yeah, that's no, it. You don't understand. There's nothing like it. Nothing like <laughs> it. That was a really good pick for No Nut November. Thanks, Rachel. You're welcome. <laughs> Hmm. Well, here's my thing. So I feel like in the Odyssey that most of what was funny about it was that everybody just behaved so weirdly, but acted like it was normal. And in Lysistrata, like the situation is weird that they've set up, but nobody really is doing any like weird social moray things. So we, we didn't really have that piece of it in this, I think. I mean, they were talking about each other's genitals and stuff, right? Like, way more than we would. But that's not, like, a facet of, like, everyday Greek life or whatever. Like, that was just... Genitals? That was special for this play, you mean? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, everything that happened happened, like, was just a joke because of this joke setup. But there wasn't anything about, like, here's how uh, weird it was to live in this world, right? Oh, uh, I see. From the different essays that I was reading, somebody was like, Lysistrata is probably the most accessible of like of the ancient Greek comedies because usually they were, you know, contemporary about political figures, whatever. But this one is just about sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just like it's much easier for people to kind of get it because I guess it hasn't changed that much since then compared to a lot of the other things. Yeah, like you could stage this play set in modern times with like cell phones and cars and stuff and really not change anything almost. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just it's very easy to to get the conceit of the play. It's not like some of the tragedies where you're saying like, oh, this person swore to kill the first whatever that he saw and he thought it was going to be a goat. But, oh, no, it was his daughter. So then he kills the daughter and then somebody has to get revenge. But if you get revenge on your dad, you get in trouble. But if you don't get revenge on the person who killed you, like there are no complex 
legal codes that you no, have to it's follow. it's just people bantering. And, right. It's just dick right. jokes. The whole thing. Like 60 pages of dick jokes. So, yeah. Sometimes very complex dick jokes. You do want to be awake for this one. You know that they are dick jokes, but you don't always know how. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and some things you think might be dick jokes that are But aren't. only a couple times. <laughs> Usually they definitely are. And actually, we're probably wrong about those. They're probably all dick jokes. <laughs> well, there's something for everybody in this play as long as you really like, I guess, dick or butts. So are we wrapping this bad boy up? Give our opinion. We got to fire it or not fire it. We need to use some freaking sound effects. Should this be in high schools? No. Yes. (laughs) Yes, actually. Yeah, it shouldn't be in high school, probably. I feel like if it stays in the canon, it stays in the canon because of what it did for comedy. So like not this particular play, but Aristophanes like as a playwright. Seth Rogen could make this. Well, no, but he used and or like created a lot of the like different strategies that people use in comedy. Like he, I'm not going to say he like created slapstick or whatever, but all those different techniques, he pretty much used all of them that we still use today and popularized them. So like what? You know, Aristophanes is important. What do you mean? Give him some examples. Like slapstick, like I said, like that's the thing or like mm, sexual innuendo. Imitation, right? Like any techniques you might use during comedy. I don't really know the words for them. She's not a comedy scientist, Theo. I'm not a comedy scientist. I mean, I thought it was funny, actually. I didn't think it was like as funny as some other things, but I honestly wasn't expecting to think that an ancient Greek play was funny. Normally when I've read comedies, I've been like, okay, oh, you you chase some (laughs) slaves around. Good job (laughs) but this one i'm like oh i get it okay double entendres yeah yeah i get that yeah sure if i was an ancient greek and i saw this performed live and i was like with my buddies and we'd been drinking i would die laughing i would love it i would think it was like the funniest thing i'd ever seen don't you guys think so i could see myself as an actor in the play being like oh maybe i should improvise a different sort of dick joke this time and like it would be so fun to do that you know what i mean like what which one you would love you love the walking poo and all this other stuff. There's so many lines. Yeah, where yeah you- I'd probably just say walking poo a few more times. <laughs> there were multiple <laughs> statements in this play where you said like, "I would say that." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just can't believe you're not more enthused. I feel like it was funny. I think it was a good choice. I feel like the storyline could have been a little more streamlined or something. Well, I also feel like having someone explain it to you isn't really as good as reading it in this case. Oh, yeah. shit. I thought it's my translation was really good. <laughs> Mine was by Sarah Rudin, as I said. I think she did a great job. Yeah, I think yours was definitely nastier than mine in a lot of parts, which is a plus. Yeah, but I think she was nasty in all the right ways, meaning like all the times that he was nasty, she was also nasty. I was I was about to say it wasn't gratuitous. It absolutely was gratuitous, but not on her part, on, on his. Only because he was, yeah. yeah. Aristophanes was. Do you think he was making himself laugh as he was writing Yeah, it? I'm sure he was like, oh, he was probably like I telling all his friends too. Yeah. They were like just riffing on it and being like, yeah, put that in. That's what I imagine. Like it's the sort of thing that, yeah, you would be like riffing with other people and then you just put all that stuff in the play, right? Do you think that maybe he had like one friend who was just constantly cracking dick jokes and every time his friend made a good one he would write it down and he saved them up for like <gasps> 10 years and said I I know the perfect place to put all these maybe the play was premiered on his friend's birthday and it was like this great homage Aww, to their friendship yeah. their bromance yeah. I tried to find some better examples of, of things that Aristophanes used that are still used today in comedy some things would be like uh, I don't know like masks apparently <laughs> we use this those? is a terrible example because we definitely <laughs> comedy don't use, tragedy masks we, don't use masks. we use all the time yeah. <laughs> I don't know 
know. In a, in a way, we kind of do do this. Like they, so they would like caricature famous political figures, and I'm thinking of like say Key and Peel as Obama and his anger translator. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, just kind of impersonating people. Or like SNL. Yeah, the musical extravaganza <laughs> uh, was apparently a thing. <laughs> this is also not a good example. Here are some it? examples of things you pioneered that we use to this day: masks, musical extravaganzas. <laughs> What is the musical extravaganza? Is it just like a big song towards the end that's kind of funny? No, it was just using the chorus um, for comedic effect. Like this. <laughs> so um, the farcical anticlimax. So this would have been a series of loosely connected scenes dealing with farcical consequences after the actual climax of the play is over. So like the whole party scene. Yeah. Looking at the map and naming things on the map. Yeah, the celebration of the hero's victory often concludes in a sexual conquest, and sometimes it takes the form of a wedding, thus providing the action with a joyous sense of closure. (laughs) Every episode of The Office ended that way. (laughs) The musical extravaganza and a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And mass, don't forget the mass. The CPR mass, though, absolutely the best scene, for sure. Um, The real scene of action was something using, like, the theater itself, and theatrical illusion was was treated as something of a joke. That's totally in The Office, right? Like, that's just looking at the camera and, and... And pointing to your pimp friend on the other side of the camera. <laughs> yeah. This one goes out to you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good improv, good improv. Let's try sticking to the script next time. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, Theo and I fired it and Rachel didn't. You fired it? Wait, I don't think I fired he it. He didn't fire no, it. No, I'm chill with it. He likes We said it. we can't even show it to high schoolers. We can't even let them know it exists. Oh, yeah, it's not for the high schoolers canon, but it's in the canon of the Western world literature. And it needs to stay. I'm throwing in a lot of these. It's <laughs> our treasured repository of ancient dick jokes, Jackie. Yeah. I mean, think of all of the amazing dick jokes we've never been able to even come up with because they were lost. Yeah, That's true. A lot of his plays were lost. I'm kind of sad about that. It's like the kind of thing that I wasn't sad about today, this morning. But now that I know about it, I'm sad about it. Yeah. Think about what comedy would be like if we'd had more of these comedies surviving. So many more masks. So many more. All right. Masks. Well, we've reached the end of the episode, right? Right. We've we done have it. reached it. And now it's time for the musical extravaganza. What are you just snapping? Musical extravaganza. I'm assuming there's music playing. I'm editing it in. Okay. Thanks, Jackie. Snap a little with us. So extravagant. So extravagant. Okay. Wow. Sorry, guys. Uh, thanks for joining Why you us. Just apologize. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> uh, this is our heritage, Jackie. <laughs> this is our heritage. I hope none of you are celebrating No Nut November. If you are, reevaluate your choices. Um, thanks for joining us. But if it brings world peace, well, if it does make you an actual superhero, then please continue. <laughs> yeah. If you if you yeah. want to, I don't really care. Do whatever you want. Sheesh. But send us video proof of yourself becoming oh, a superhero because okay. I really would like oh. to see the effects. No, becoming a superhero, you're disgusting. We're not disgusting. You just said something about No Nut November and then you're like, send me a video. You have to wait till the end of my sentence. You don't know where I'm going. I'm wild and crazy. Weird and wonderful. Wacky and jacky. Would it be so bad to get a video of someone not nutting? Or do they, do they, do they like, I don't know, I don't just need to talk about this. I don't want a video of anyone's no, penis. No, I think they don't, I don't watch care what their penis is doing. I don't want any videos of it. Well, if it's wearing a little hat. A video? Yeah, what about then? What if it's wearing a little hat, doing a little jig? Doing a jig. 
you know, like a musical. I mean, it sounds like like Jackie's (laughs) fine with it. (laughs) Okay, now I'm gonna bingo you. What if it was? If it's doing like a magic trick, like turning different colors or like Mm. levitating. What if it was proving that God exists? The penis was doing that. I would show it to you. I'd be like, "Told ya." Told you God exists. It's proof that God is real. <laughs> That's what everyone who's seen my penis says. <laughs> this is proof that God is real and doesn't like me. <laughs> and he doesn't like <laughs> to me. To quote you, <laughs> to exactly. paraphrase you in the past. <laughs> oh, gosh. God is real and he hates yeah. us. He hates us both. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. I, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Shake it off. Shake it off. Here we go. It's the end of the episode. You know what happens now? We tell you where to find us. Go to Fire the Cannon Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to go to our website, it's www.firethecannonpod.com. You'll have to connect to the net for that one. Go World to the wide web. web. If you'd like to check out our Patreon, it is patreon.com slash firethecannon. We've got some exciting stuff there. Um, also, I am now starting to put all of our episodes onto YouTube. So the full versions of each episode will be there. Um, if you'd like to go, it's just uh, YouTube and uh, search Fire the Cannon and we'll be there. <laughs> you will not find us. You will not find us. I don't I don't know how to find us, honestly. We're published. You should be able to find us. I know, us. but like if you look up Fire the Cannon, other things come up first. Like we're so far down there. <laughs> okay, guys, if you search YouTube Fire the Cannon, um, it's going to be the one, two, three, four, fifth result. <laughs> Fire the Cannon podcast. On anyone's computer? You have to search Fire the Cannon podcast. But even if you search it, Cannon Fire podcast about a football team comes up first. <laughs> like spelled differently. <laughs> Just good luck. Maybe you'll find out you like that other podcast better. And if so, that's fine. We'll figure out someday how to get you to be able to watch it. <laughs> Our actual name on YouTube is Fire Cannon. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, who did that? Theo? I don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. We can change it. Yeah, we'll work on it. Here's something kind of funny. I think because Theo did set this up, maybe when I go in to add a video, I can see all of the things that Theo has watched. Like, I know I can see all of your history. Cool. What is it? Um, nothing good. You mean nothing <laughs> funny or <laughs> bad? Can we finish the podcast first? It's like how how to reset the key for my 2000 Toyota remote. Oh, yeah, that's off. Theo. <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> the simplest math problem no one can solve. Theo. <laughs> I don't think that is me. Was that me? Sometimes I don't if know. a video auto plays, it gets added. <laughs> the most complex pop song of all time. Yeah, maybe. I think I did watch part of that. So it may have auto-played onto the mm. simplest math problem no one can solve. Okay. And then a lot of Reaper questions. Yeah, nothing that crazy. Let's get back to business, please. You guys have been trying to end the podcast for <laughs> so long. Now you're hung up on this. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. <laughs> we had a great time talking about this. It's good to be back, baby. Maybe we'll do some more ancient Greek stuff, right? Yeah. It's great to be back way yeah. back. Maybe we'll try a tragedy next, next time. Next time we're not going to do one that's so nasty. There's nothing else as nasty as this. There's no other classic this nasty. Yeah, I think at the end of this one, we should apologize to our parents. Sorry, sorry mom and dad, if you're listening. Sorry, sorry, say sorry, sorry Nell. Nell. Sorry. Sorry, Frank. Sorry. You sorry, raised Nancy. me. That's all I'm going to say. My dad raised you? Yes, he did. Your dad <laughs> raised all of us. <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> okay. Okay, then, Nell, I demand an apology for Theo. <laughs> Okay, bye everyone. Bye everyone. Love Love you. Yeah. Love you, but not. No, we do. 